Welcome to episode 8 of the Mile 62 podcast. I'm your host, Richard Elkins, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We cover all things ultra running in the southern United States. And this episode, I'd like to talk about Havelina 100. Uh, it's that time of year, and um, the race is, is uh, this coming weekend. Um, I'm running the 100-mile race, and um, my brother is in the 100K. Uh, so we're pretty excited. have been preparing all year for it. And I'd like to talk a little bit about the race, um, the um, just kind of the mechanics of the race, what, what you should uh, expect, and how to prepare. How to prepare once you arrive. Um, this year they didn't put out a video, <coughs> excuse me, but they did put out a PDF and it's about 35 pages, but it has a lot of information that is not real, real important. It's, um, it's got a lot of details, but I'll go over the, the key, the key items so that you'll be prepared, uh, for the race. And, and if you're interested in, uh, running it next year, um, it's pretty much the same every year. Um, the race is uh, one of the biggest ultras in, uh, in the United States, uh, maybe even the world. Um, in the United States, it's definitely one of the biggest. Um, this year is a little bit bigger than last year. They have over 700 runners in the 100-mile race, uh, over 330 runners in the 100K, and then they've got a couple of night party races. So roughly, <clears throat> roughly there's about 11, 1,200 runners out there. So it, it's a pretty busy uh, uh, loop. The loop is, is uh, close to 20 miles. I think it's about 19.5. Um, so the 100-mile the hundred mile, hundred mile runners are going to do five loops, and the 100K runners are going to do three loops. Um, the, the race takes place in uh, McDowell State Park, which is near Scottsdale, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. Um, so the... I basically fly from from Austin, Texas to I change planes and I I fly to Phoenix uh, Sky Harbor Airport and then I rent a car. Um, One thing to note when you arrive to the Phoenix Airport, the uh, rental car locations are off off of the airport, so you know you can prepare to have enough time to go and get your rental car um, because they're off site, and then um, the packet pickup um, is at La Puesta de Sol. It's a hotel. It's near the, the park where the race is, but um, it took me about an hour to drive there from the airport last year. So I'm planning about the same. So um, just make sure you have enough time. Last year, I transferred in LA and got delayed a couple hours and didn't get out to packet pickup until five o'clock. And packet pickup closes at six o'clock. Um, if you do miss packet pickup, you can pick up in the morning, but it's a real busy, uh, race in the morning and, um, you're, you're having to get out there super early. Uh, so I definitely recommend try to do it the day before on Friday. Plus they're selling a lot of merchandise and they have some vendors out there. Like last year they had Hoka and a few others, a couple beer vendors and equipment vendors. I think Kogal is going to be out there this year. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat, uh, uh, check-in atmosphere. Um, there are a lot of hotels in the Scottsdale area, area. so um, my hotel was in Scottsdale. It took me about 15 to 20 minutes to drive to the, the race. 
And one, one thing I forgot to mention, when, during check-in, um, they're going to put a wristband on your, on your arm, and you can't take that off till you finish the race. So that, that's pretty important. You don't want to leave the check-in without that. Um, basically, if you DNF in the race, they cut that off. It's very similar to like what's done at Western States. Now getting back to the race, you know, the race, um, um, the 100-mile race starts at 6 o'clock in the morning. There's two waves. One starts at 6, one starts at 6.10. I, I jump in in the 6.10 wave because I, I like to take it easy in the beginning, and there's a lot of really fast runners in the first wave. Um, they do add 10 minutes to the, the cutoff time, so you're not losing any time by doing that. Um, so the 100K runners will start at 7 a.m., and uh, the, the race for the 100-mile and the 100K uh, finishes 12 o'clock the next day. Uh, however, um, the 100-mile runners need to be on their fifth lap by 6 in the morning, which is 24 hours. And uh, the 100K runners need to be on their, uh, starting their third lap by 6 in the morning. And they need to finish within 29 hours, whereas the 100-mile runners um, have 30 hours. Um, a little bit about the course. Like I said, it's five laps for the 100-mile runners. There are four aid stations. Uh, the largest aid station is Havelina Headquarters, which is really just uh, a really neat setup. It's kind of got a U-shaped uh, path through a bunch of uh, uh, tarp uh, setups that people have set up to support their runners. There's also uh, running groups. So you're coming into the, this area from the, the, from the course and you kind of loop around in a U and then you, you run through the start finish mat and then you come back out through the same loop. Now, when you get, get to the point where you're going back on the course, um, there's signs to help you uh, navigate which way you should go because this course is a washing machine style uh, setup which means that you'll go out one direction and then when you come back through the headquarters you'll go back out the same direction so and that alternates every every uh, lap well it may sound confusing but actually it's not because they've got people standing there near the headquarters when you go out and then it says uh, lap one, lap two this way, lap three this way. So it's very user friendly. I was a little bit nervous last year before I started because if you do do a lap the wrong direction, you will be disqualified. But I will say it's, it would be really difficult to mess this up. It's neat because um, you're constantly being passed um, by other runners going the other direction. And you'll see the elite runners uh, pass you several times. So it makes it a really exciting atmosphere. So not only do you have people running in the same direction you have, you are, but you have people coming at you from the other direction too, the, the whole race. So like I said, the, the biggest uh, aid station is Havelina. They call it Jed Quarters. It's basically the headquarters camp. There's Coyote Camp, Jackass Junction, which is a probably the most uh, famous uh, aid station. They've got a discotheque ball, and it's the biggest one. It's kind of right in the middle of the course. And uh, last year, they had a lot of elites out there. It was sponsored by Hoka and Rabbit. I'm sorry, it was sponsored by Rabbit, you know, Eric Sensman. They had Jim Walmsley out there. And uh, it was pretty exciting. You know, they had hamburgers and basically everything you can imagine. 
And then at night, uh, the people that are doing the party run, they basically drink liquor and dance there. And just the whole... You, what's interesting is you can hear the music miles away in the desert. So as you're running, as you're getting close to the the Jackass Junction or even the, the headquarters, you hear the music from miles away. And at headquarters, they have a really big uh, disc jockey setup, uh, disc jockey uh, setup, and uh, playing great music all day long, uh, day long and in through the night. Then they have a Rattlesnake Ranch, which is the last aid station. Last year, that was sponsored by Hoka, and they had uh, Tim Tollison and several Hoka athletes out there. It was pretty neat. Uh, so they do a really good. They do a real good job. Uh, there's four aid stations, and they basically have everything you need. Um, however, the laps, you know, we're talking almost a 20 mile lap. The first lap is a little, a few miles longer, and uh, you need you need to have a lot of water on you, and uh, I suggest a hydration pack plus one bottle. That worked well um, for me last year. I, actually, I carried all bottles last year, but it was equivalent in uh, volume. This year I'm carrying a hydration pack plus one bottle. Uh, typically on the one bottle I use for um, like um, Gatorade or Hammer products or Perpetuum, some some sort of mix I keep in my bottle and then my hydration pack, I keep it with water and ice to keep me cooled down. Um, the course markings, uh, the course is really well marked, the whole 20 miles. About every mile they have a marker and they're numbered and one thing they will tell you um, at registration, you know, if you run into if you run into a problem, um, there's an emergency phone number on your bib, and you want to put that in your phone too. Um, if you do have a problem on the course, you just basically remember the last number that you passed, and uh, you, they can find you um, very quickly that way. Um, the entire course is has uh, um, medics on bikes constantly being uh, riding around and um, at the headquarters they have a huge uh, medic tent looks like something out of a mash movie um, basically have everything they would need to take care of someone that's really well organized and then uh, shortwave radio they have a team out there with shortwave radios uh, trying to communicate throughout the course and uh, on top of that the cell signal your mobile phone will work most of the course um, I didn't look at my phone that much last year, but he told me that you had a signal most of the course. So um, um, it it's well organized and uh, very user friendly. Um, a little bit about my training this year. Um, I've been last year I made it through eighty two miles, and uh, I attribute that to uh, some salt intake issues, and uh, also my core strength uh, maybe wasn't up to up to par. Um, during the last year, I've worked on that, and I think I'm ready. I plan to use my uh, my Nathan uh, hydration uh, vest and uh, also arm sleeves to protect from the sun. I think that's real important out there. And you keep in mind that there's no uh, um, shaded areas out there. There's no tree coverage the whole course. So you're during the day you're in you're in the, you're in the direct uh, sunlight, and um, the toughest. The toughest uh, lap is probably lap two. It's the hottest part of the day, and uh, you need to be well protected. You know, sunscreen, um, cover your arms if you have arm sleeves. I like the arm sleeves. I use those in all races, and uh, I can use them for ice during the day, 
and at night it helps me uh, keep warm if it's a little bit chilly so that's kind of my strategy um, I'm planning to wear exoskin uh, shorts this year that's something new for me I, I've been trying them out and uh, I'm hoping that's gonna help me uh, prevent uh, chafing uh, on the 100 mile events actually 100k and, and uh, longer I have challenges with chafing uh, and uh, you know, regardless of how much I lube up. <laughs> so um, these shorts uh, are uh, three-quarter length, and uh, I've heard a lot of good things about them. So I'm going to use those, and then I'm using uh, Injinji socks, uh, which I use in all my races. I plan to use the Ultra ones, which are the thickest ones. And I plan to run in Ultra Olympus shoes. I've been using those my last few Ultras, and um, also bring in my Ultra Temps in case uh, I have some problems with those shoes or I want something just a little bit lighter. Um, but I plan to use Ultra for uh, my brand of shoes this, this race. I'm not going to use any of my Hoka's. And um, nutrition, I'm carrying some uh, Hammer Perpetuum and some gels, but I plan to use uh, Goo gels, which they provide also, and uh, um, try to eat as much real food as I can. The elevation gain on on the course is around 7,000 feet uh, of climbing um, and about 7,000 feet of uh, descent. It's somewhat rolling hills, but, uh, you know, with a 50% uh, DNF rate, um, it's a tough course. And uh, a lot of people use it as they believe it's an easy course to get their uh, Western States qualifier, but they find out it's not. A lot of people go out too fast, and uh, the, the temperature swing really catches up with them. So I suggest uh, going out very conservatively the first couple of laps, and then try to speed up at night. Um, another thing about Havelina 100 is they do not allow trekking poles. It's one of the few events that I know of that doesn't allow trekking poles. Um, I think the reason is, is because there's just too many people out there. They don't want someone to get hit or poked in the eye. But um, regardless, um, it's not allowed to use trekking poles. One thing I forgot to mention earlier is when you're coming into the McDowell uh, Park, uh, arriving to the headquarters, you need to uh, plan to uh, pay for parking. It's about $7. And last year you had to park it's probably about a 15-minute walk to the main headquarters. So if you have a lot of a gear it's a little bit troublesome so if if you have the ability to bring something with wheels or a cart it'll really help out a lot and you'll see what I mean when you get there the parking area I got there very early I just always do and I had to walk about 15-20 minutes and I can imagine people that got there right before the race and really had to walk a long ways so if you have a lot of gear and you don't have a crew um, try to prepare accordingly the uh, next thing I would like to do is talk about the elite field <clears throat> you know this is a uh, excuse me. You know this is a golden ticket race. It's uh, one of the first in the golden ticket races uh, going into uh, next year's uh, Western States uh, 100. Um, the favorite for this year in the men's is is definitely going to be Patrick Reagan. Um, he's won it several times, and uh, I saw him last year. It was really pretty incredible seeing him several times. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's uh, one of the advantages of the washing, washing uh, machine style 
um, course design. So you'll he will pass they will pass the elites will pass you several times the male and the female, and uh, so it's kind of uh, nice to see it. You know, see them pass. Uh, not many races you ever get to see the elite runners. They're always in front, and uh, if it's a point to point race, you may never see them. But in this race, you're going to see them several times. So it's kind of neat. Um, I always like cheering them on and. I remember Patrick Reagan uh, last year said some nice things every time he passed me. I, I can't imagine him um, doing that every runner. You'd think it would get very tiring, but several elites did that. I remember Chris Mako said some nice things to me as well when I passed him last year. But Pat Patrick Reagan, in my book, is definitely the favorite. Um, he's coming from Savannah, Georgia, and uh, just had a great win in uh, Western States. Um, not a win, but he was top 10. And... Uh, Tyler Green, uh, Tyler Green, I saw in Bandera 100, just an incredible runner. He's coming from Oregon, and uh, I saw him in the Bandera 100 uh, pass Chris Mako right at the end of the race, and uh, that was a hell of a race because there's Matt Daniels, Tyler Green, um, and uh, several other, uh, Chris Mako and several other pros trying to get a golden ticket earlier this year, and uh, Matt Daniels, of course, uh, ran into a tree and I was out of the race but Tyler Green and Chris Mako battled it out the whole race and Tyler Green passed Chris Mako right at the end of the race so I expect some I expect some good things from Tyler Green I don't think he's going to be able to beat uh, uh, Patrick Reagan but if T Patrick Reagan has a uh, bad day it's possible so I have Tyler Green uh, uh, at in second um, then Sion Lupuitz I'm sorry, I'm butchering his name. He's actually from Tucson, and he's a really great runner. He runs for Arivapa, and uh, he's from the Arizona area, so he knows the the course very well. Last year, he did well as uh, very well, so I think he will be up there in the mix for you know the top five. One thing to keep in mind because uh, Patrick Reagan uh, had a top ten finish, he doesn't need a golden ticket. So if Patrick Reagan gets in first play, it'll, uh, finishes in first. Uh, the second and third places will get the golden ticket. So I, I, I think we'll see a lot of action. Some other names that I saw, like Ricardo Tortini from Vancouver. He's also a very good runner. There's also some other good runners coming from uh, uh, California and Florida, but I really don't think they're at the same level with Patrick Reagan and Tyler Green and, and Sion Lupiets. Um, so I think that's I think that's what we're gonna probably going to see on the men's field. In the women's field this year, we have a, it's very deep. I think it's a lot more competitive than the men's field. We have uh, Casey Liptide coming in from Nebraska. Uh, she runs for Hoka. Uh, strong finishes at uh, Bandera, um, Western States, and just in really good shape. And uh, I think it's definitely going to be in that lead pack. Elisa McDonald coming in from Canada. Hasn't raced very much lately. Um, she raced in UTMB and... Uh, very strong uh, last year has a lot of grit I think she's going to definitely be a contender uh, Camilla Mayfield coming in from Bend Oregon um, always, always a strong competitor um, was in western states and uh, I think I think uh, she, she she will she will be very strong um, one of my one of my favorites uh, Sally McRae coming in from California strong uh, Strong finish and UTMB in really good shape right now. So um, 
So we have a pretty deep field. Those Megan Laws also coming in from California, all, always having good races. Um, so what 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 a pack, and all of them need a golden ticket. Uh, none of them did well enough in Western states to, and the, none of them placed in the top ten to return next year. So I think we're going to have a really good battle. Um, my my prediction is that we're going to see Casey Licktide in first place and uh, Sally McRae in uh, second place. They'll get the golden tickets, and I think it'll be very close. Um, I think if there, were, if there were more climbing, I think Sally would have the... Uh, the uh, upper advantage, the upper upper hand on this one, but Casey Licktide is a really fast runner. This is uh, this course is probably lends itself to her toolbox a little, you know, a little bit better. I think she's a little bit faster runner than Sally. I may be wrong, but I I think it'll be a very close race if Casey doesn't hesitates and doesn't have a first uh, good first couple laps. I think it's Sally's race, so it's going to be a very close one. And um, Camilla and Elisa will be right there in the mix too. Megan Walls, you can't count them out. All of them could win the race. So it's going to be exciting. I think the women's field is much deeper. There are also some other great runners coming in from Arizona and California. So it's going to be very deep. It's going to be a good fight. But I think I think what we'll see is Casey uh, uh, winning winning the race, and then. Um, um, Sally coming in uh, in second place. You know, Casey's now with uh, Hoka, and uh, Sally's with Nike. So it's going to be a good race. Uh, I'm excited to see how it turns out, and it'll be exciting to see them on the course because they're going to pass, you know, pass me um, from behind and from the other direction uh, several times. You know, that's a nice thing about this uh, this wa- washing style course. That's it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I can be uh, found on Instagram, RunnerRWE. On Twitter, it's at RunnerRWE. On Strava, I'm Richard, uh, uh, host of the Mile 62 podcast. You can also find me in the Mile 62 Strava group. We have a running group. Uh, welcome to join. And uh, feedback and questions are always welcome. Especially if you if you want me to cover something uh, in a future podcast episode, or if you disagree with me on something, please uh, send me an email. I'd happy to discuss it, reply to you, and also discuss it in the future podcast. Um, my email address is runnerrwe at gmail dot com. Um, if you have time, uh, please give me a review on iTunes, whether or not it be good or bad. I I need uh, reviews and subscribe if you would. That would be great. Um, I'm a new podcast, and I'm trying to get more traction and and get more uh, viewers. I mean listeners. So I appreciate your support. I do this for fun. It's not a, it's not a source of income for me, and it never will be. Uh, I just want to uh, spread my story. It's kind of my audio blog, and uh, appreciate you listening. Um, stay tuned for future episodes, and uh, have a great week of running. Take care. Bye bye.